the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of love touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day in the praise of God for our congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation at NPR WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Today, especially and happily, we welcome Mr. Herbert Jones and Marsh Chapel's own Inner Strength Gospel Choir to join us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, beloved, we gather on the Lord's Day to confess our sin before God and one another. We are heartened by the presence of the spirit of a pardoning God. We are here to hear something beautiful, to see someone good, and to remember some word of truth. But we are here as well to confess words unfitly spoken, deeds unfruitfully enacted, and sentiments unworthily expressed. May we bow together as the choir guides us in our traditional Kyrie in a moment of personal confession. Let us pray. God, but for thy grace we would not be, but for thy grace we could not love, but for thy grace we should not speak, but by thy grace we live and love and speak. Blessed, blessed, blessed forgiveness we receive. Hear the good news, if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. For I am about to create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. 
I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and more shall and there and more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and, ha- and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen, chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
lesson from Paul's second epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have that right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we, when we were with you, we gave you this command, anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 118 with the Antiphon. to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my power. The Lord has become my salvation. There are joyous songs of victory in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me sorely, but has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Deo, 
the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn. Christ according to St. Luke chapter 21 verses 5 to 19. Glory to you, O Lord. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Lord Christ. 
be seated. Near to Detroit City, you will find a museum dedicated to the automobile. Would you like to see Henry Ford's first car with its wooden doors? There is one. Or how about an Edsel? You may have heard of one. Well, here you can see it. Maybe you'd like to see what it was like to travel across Route 66 some decades ago. Did you ever see one of those automobiles that was also an, a, a, a boat? It has propellers in the back. It's amphibious. Well, there's a, a baby blue one right there. What is it about a 57 Chevrolet, that two-tone green and cream? In this museum, you can see it. I wasn't expecting there in Detroit City to be overcome with emotion in a car museum, and I wasn't until the end. Down the line I went, and there was a collection of presidential automobiles. There was one that Teddy Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson shared. There was one famous, made famous by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. There was Eisenhower's, and there, blessed, right there, was a 1963 Lincoln Continental, now shiny and buffed, not dusty, racing by a grassy knoll, now covered, not converted to convertible, right there. What did your parents tell you? What do you remember about November 22nd, 1963? Almost to the hour 50 years ago. These November days, these twilight days, they carry an uncanny significance. The dark maple limbs stretching out to grasp the gray of the air, the constant twilight of November. There is a cosmic sacrality behind these days of ending, days of reckoning, harvest, exams, autumn, budget hearing, stewardship campaign. We know in our bones about endings. Anyone who's ever received an unwelcome and unexpected diagnosis, anyone who's ever lost a sibling or a parent, a brother or mother, anyone who's ever seen a beloved institution brought to its knees by malfeasant, mendacious, predatory leadership knows about endings here in November. There is one generation who can tell you exactly where they were on November 22nd. Now, another generation present here as well can tell you to a fare thee well where they were December 7th, 1941, who spoke and who didn't, what they had to eat, what they wore. And there's another generation right in front of us who will remember again to a detail where they were September 11th, 2001. Portents, accents, spoken, unspoken. And there will be another generation, probably, that can remember April 15th, 2013. But for one generation, it's November 22nd. And what was carried in the unspoken of those hours. So an English teacher, probably more than one. Now 50 years ago, reaching back then another 100 years, so 150 years from today, reciting Whitman, 
Oh, captain, my captain, the fearful trip is done. The ship has weathered every wreck. The prize we sought is won. Exult, O shores, and ring, O bells, but I with mournful tread walk the deck my captain lies fallen, cold, and dead. We benefit from the strange and colorful language of the gospel according to St. Luke, though truly in our bones we don't need it. We know about endings. We benefit from the apocalyptic hope of Isaiah. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. And the warning, warning of Second Paul in Second Thessalonians saying, you must work, the end has not yet come. But it's Luke that captures us. How contemporary his predictions of natural disaster, of false speech, of warfare, of political chaos, of religion become a way to shield abuse with piety. Luke is writing in 90, placing on the lips of Jesus in the year 30 what is to be. It is called by the scholars vaticinium ex eventu. That means the prediction is of things that have already happened. Luke knows trial and testing and betrayal. How? The church has lived through them over the past 60 years. The prediction is accurate to detail. We know with Luke about endings. Life is shot through with them. Jesus teaches us about judgment, that there will be judgment, though not of religious practice, but of human relations in our denomination we have a Sunday called Human Relations Sunday. I've always wondered, and what Sunday is not a Human Relations Sunday? That is, judgment doesn't fall on what is meant to nourish us, that is, our sacrament, our singing, our prayer, our preaching, our ecstasy, our gathering. Those are meant to nourish us, uh, nourish us so that judgment can be given to the way we relate to one another. You know, not 50, but 150 years ago, almost to the hour on a similarly autumnal day, wind swept, well, in part, just swept by long speech. Before he stood, Abraham Lincoln was preceded by an orator who spoke 13,800 words. And we think the sermon today is long. No, there he was. And he stood for two minutes and spoke 272 words. We do well to remember them. Words outlast deeds. Words are more important than deeds when they are the right ones, he said. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are gathered on a in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are gathered on a great battlefield of that war. We have come here to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that the nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it far beyond our poor power to add or detract. 
The world will little note or long remember what we say here, but can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who struggled here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that great cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. Do you hear a sense of ending, a sense of judgment, a sense of judgment not individual primarily, but collective, and a recognition, November 19th, 1863, that tragically we are a nation born and still haunted by violence. No, we could say in our time, haunted by gun violence. The violence of pioneer on native, of plantation owner on slave, of higher on lower class, of capital on labor. We're living in a capitalist, not a laborist economy, if you hadn't noticed in the last few years. And all of the violence that swirled around the speculation not 150, but 50 years ago at the time of Kennedy's death. The conflict Cuban and American, the Cold War, the underworld. Friends, we are a nation with a family history of violence. No, we should say it more pointedly. From that day, a family history of gun violence. One lone shooter, one lone rifle. I find it striking that across the land, and given our past year's experience, that experience has not been more steadily connected with this symbolic, iconic moment of apocalyptic judgment upon this great land. How we hunger, given our past, to cross into a new frontier, to cross into a new frontier of peace. To remember the words of Abraham Heschel, Abraham Joshua Heschel, now themselves 50 years old. Different are the languages of prayer, he wrote, but the tears are all the same. He warned, as does Isaiah. When faith is replaced by creed, when love is replaced by habit, when worship is replaced by discipline, when religion speaks only with the language of authority and not with the voice of compassion, its message has become meaningless. Now, I could assume you know the reference there, but let me make it explicit. We have general superintendents gathering in Lake Junaluska today to whom we say, when religion speaks only with the language of authority, and not with the voice of compassion. Its message has become utterly meaningless. We are dreaming, as Isaiah did, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy hill, of a new frontier, a new frontier, we shall say, 
of peace. For many years, too many, I traveled from northern New York State down into Canada and I crossed the border. They asked me the same questions every day and every year. What's your name? Where are you from? Where are you headed? Do you have anything to declare? We could use those questions ourselves every morning. Your name, your whence, your whither, your declaration. These frontiers can be frightening and we're crossing into another one now. We trust a new frontier of peace in an age of violence. One winter morning at 5 a.m. with the snow falling, I had crossed and down into Quebec I had driven and toward me came with a U.S. license plate, a truck driver, clearly lost, stopped, rolled down his window and tentatively said, Où est la frontière? Where is the border? And bravely I summoned my three or four sentences of French and began to respond and he listened for a moment and then he laughed and he said, oh, hey, I can tell by the way you talk. You're an American too. Will you tell me where the frontier is? Sometimes uh, we mistake the darkness for a lack of familiarity, but we have every confidence crossing away from our heritage of violence and moving toward a new frontier of peace. We've been taught by the Lord Jesus Christ himself how to do so, you know, day by day. Visit the imprisoned, including those who are imprisoned by their own ideology, anxiety, and fear. Heal the sick. The healing of the sick is a sacred cause now and in the days to come. Clothe the naked, or that is, cloak those who are exposed unfairly to public harm or worse. Befriend the stranger. We pause after every worship service to take a moment to greet someone you don't know if that will be the only personal word she hears this week. And feed the hungry who could not think in this hour, making for peace of those struggling and suffering in the Philippines today. Beloved, it seems so improbable, as Gardner Taylor used to say of this verse, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy hill. Look back to November 22nd and all that has been accomplished. We should celebrate these achievements. Communism is dead and gone. Nuclear weaponry has thus far been contained. Relationships between Protestants and Catholics are good to very good. The cause of civil rights, though not finished, has made significant advances. Latin America has opened to us. And look, we put a man on the moon. All good. But violence, ah, gun violence. The scourge of my generation across this great land of the free and the home of the brave. Violence remains. So up with encouragement. Let us hear the gospel by your endurance, your long-suffering, your persistence. You will mold your souls. Let us move forward together with Isaiah and David and Second Paul and Jesus to sing the hymn of peace, with Lincoln and Whitman and Heschel and Kennedy to 
sing the song of peace, to go with his words into a new frontier, not with a set of promises, but with a set of challenges, to ask not what the country can do for us, but that, what that we can do for the country, to bear the long twilight struggle in season and out, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. And when it comes to peace, to pay any price, bear any burden, support any friend, oppose any foe, crossing the border into a new frontier. Beloved, it's coming. It's coming like the glory of the morning on the wave. It is wisdom to the mighty. It is honor to the brave. So the world shall be its footstool and the soul of wrong its slave. God's truth is marching on. Amen.
have now come to the time in the service for prayer. Please adopt the position of prayer that feels most comfortable to you, including standing, sitting, or coming to the altar rail. As the choir leads us in our call to prayer, lead me, Lord. And now, the prayer of St. Patrick. As I arise today, may the strength of God pilot me, and the power of God uphold me, the wisdom of God guide me. May the eye of God look before me, the ear of God hear me, the word of God speak for me, May the hand of God protect me, the way of God lie before me, the shield of God defend me, the host of God save me. May Christ shield me today, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit, Christ when I stand, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. And now we pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thou is the kingdom, forever and ever. Amen.
peace of God be always with you. Good morning. I'd like to welcome you to this bejeweled, vibrant, colorful, sacred space on this gray autumn morning. Marsh Chapel thrives as a heart in the heart of the city and a service in the service of the city. And we hope that wherever you are on your spiritual path, you might find a home here for all your days. Please join us in our weekly ritual of friendship by finding the red notepads in the center of your pew and passing them along to each other to fill out your name and contact info so we might get to know you better and help you to get to know one another better. Marsh is a living, breathing place. We're always abuzz with things to do. And I'll highlight just a couple things this week that we have going on. Of course, we have coffee hour right after chapel in the basement, and we, you're all welcome to come. Today also begins Marsh Chapel's education program for children. Would Jamie stand up? Where we are? Jamie, right there in the back. Um, if you have children who would like to join her for some education and fun, please leave with her in the last hymn of this service. Also, to all students who are left on campus during the Thanksgiving holidays, we're happy to announce that Marsh Chapel with the Dean of Students Office will be hosting a free, full-blown Thanksgiving dinner at 100 Bay State Road. If you have questions about that, please come and talk to me. Also throughout the week, we have music concerts, including Inner Strength Gospel Choir and Lorelei, wonderful opportunities to enjoy sacred song. Please look for details in the back of your bulletin. If you would like to know more about Marsh Chapel, as well as all of the events that happen throughout the week, please visit our website at bu.edu chapel. There you can also find a link for online giving. We now enter into a time of thoughtful generosity. It is a joy and a grace to give, and we join in community to offer our generosity to those in need. As we meditate on the song Gabi Gabi, a Namibian folktale brought to us by the marvelous Inner Strength Choir, let us call our ushers forward and won't you please be as generous as possible. Go 
God most high, may these gifts be dedicated to you, may we be dedicated to you, so that we and they may expound your beauty, speak your glory, confess your thought, and sanctify your deeds, for your truth is love. Consecrate us and these gifts to that truth, which is love. Amen. Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. 